Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. I'm to you live, as always, from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine. I'm joined by my co-host, Susie Porton, who's live in Lake Effect Snows in upstate New York. Susie, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am well. Good. Uh, we do this every Monday from... 11 a.m. to 11.45 Eastern Time, uh, first Monday, uh, excuse me, for every Monday. Uh, first Monday of every month is the Educators Program, of course. Um, we're not on next week because it is Martin Luther King Day here in the United States. So if you want to call in, today would be the day to do it, 347-994-2981. Then please press 1. We do that so well. <laughs> yes. Susie, any things that you want to start the program off with today? Um, I came across an interesting question on the parents' Facebook page. Someone who asked about long-term outcomes for explosive kids whose parents are using Plan B. She was wondering, are there any articles out there about 10-year outcomes and adult outcomes. Um, So I answered her post, but I was wondering, have there been any studies that deal with the model over a prolonged period of time? Not 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. And the longest that I can recall uh, the longest post-treatment is about a year. Um, so all we have really 10 years out is my anecdotal experience. And, of course, I don't keep mm-hmm. track of uh, everyone who I've worked with, not even close. Um, and so uh, I would say that the very vast majority of, treat- of psychosocial treatment interventions don't have anything even remotely close to 10-year um, outcome longitudinal data. Um, Most are less than a year. Uh, Every once in a while, there will be something that gets sufficient funding to Mm -hmm. project out 10 years. But in my experience, that's actually fairly rare. Okay. There's the answer. (sighs) Now, we have some interesting emails to respond to, as always, this week. And seeing as though we have no callers, let's start there, shall we? Great, yes. Now, this is a somewhat lengthy one, but here we go. 
My eight-year-old son fits the explosive child pattern very well. He also fits every one of the lagging skills on the ALSIP. He is smart, but finds school to be very challenging. He acts up and um, has a hard time staying on task. He is an emotional pendulum and copes very poorly with his emotions, whether he is lashing out in frustration, verbally and physically, or getting very wild with excitement and exuberance. He has trouble expressing himself verbally, though to hear him talk, you'd think his vocabulary was sufficient. He does know his emotion words and can recognize depictions of those emotions and understands the color chart for emotions, green, yellow, red, but that doesn't help us get to an understanding of what is causing his feelings or actions. He often explodes or refuses to talk about things. This can happen with no warning, as in, how was your day? Shut up, I don't want to talk about it, you fool. That was in quotes. Mm-hmm. Another common response is no response, as if I was Charlie Brown's teacher saying wah, wah, wah. When I can get him to talk, he may either just say he can't tell me so I will understand or he doesn't know why he does it, which I totally believe, but it doesn't get us anywhere because I don't even have a guess to offer, and any guess I do offer, he'll just jump on it to put an end to the talk. Yeah, that's it, so now can we talk about something else? The only times he's said something else was when I was trying to work out why he constantly does exactly what you just asked him not to do, such as, please quit bouncing on my foot, you are hurting me, and he bounces harder. To this, he has alternately said that it was because he was bored or because it was funny. This brings me to my second concern here. While I see many times when he clearly is having trouble reacting appropriately or controlling his reactions, there are other times when he seems to be in complete control and is choosing to be just mean and nasty. Something unpleasant happens and he laughs and insists it is too funny. Uh, He has picked up a large number of swear words at school and seems to positively delight in saying them every chance he gets regardless of requests not to and conversations about it being inappropriate, and at school, losing out on reward playtime, which he loves. Hmm. He loves reward playtime, and yet he's still losing out on it. He knows these are inappropriate words, and at times will even point that if somebody, that someone else says it. But when one points out it out to him, his response is, I don't care, or tough luck. I know a lot of time he can't help himself, but other times it seems to be very deliberate. There are people out there who do get a charge off making other people squirm, not a majority, and I hope he isn't one, but I can't help wondering. I am sick of being emotionally, verbally, and physically abused. I know no amount of punishment will do any good, but no amount of hugs, cuddles, playtime does either, and I can't get any kind of handle on how to make a plan with him because either I can't get him to communicate or he truly seems not to care if anyone else's concerns are met. All right. Let's help this mom, shall we? Yes. Boy, there are many things in what I just read for us to potentially address. But let me go global first. Um, I'm glad that mom has found the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And I'm, while I'm not glad that uh, her eight-year-old son has lots of lagging skills... I am glad that 
she is now viewing his difficulties through the prism of lagging skills because that's where the action is at. But here's the deal. Um, Mom, you don't want to stop just at the lagging skills. You've you got to do the hard part, too. Checking off lagging skills, I always say, is the easy part of completing the LSIP. But I'm hearing about a lot of intervention that is focused on behavior and that is occurring in the heat of the moment. And that's probably not going to get you anywhere, even if you are using Plan B. And a lot of, um, because a lot of what you're doing is in the heat of the moment, uh, I would, I'm theorizing here, and we won't know until we start doing this proactively, but I'm theorizing that that's why you're getting a lot of the verbal responses from your son that you're getting, because number one, you're, trunk, you're talking with him about behavior, and number two, it's happening in the heat of the moment. So we've got to help you make this whole enterprise as proactive as possible, which means we've got to make our list of unsolved problems. Otherwise, we will continue talking about behavior with him rather than about the problems that are causing those behaviors. And it's the problems that are causing those behaviors that we really want to be talking to him about. And as I've talked about on this program sometimes, or we have, that's the difference between intervening and focusing upstream versus intervening and focusing downstream. This is an upstream model. It helps you do most of your intervention proactively, out of the heat of the moment, planned. But to do that, you need a, and to stop talking with him about behavior, you're going to need a list of the problems that are causing those behaviors. Now, on the Lives in the Balance website, there is a walking tour for parents. And I know that you've been on the website because you sent this email through the contact form on the website. So I don't know if you've seen the walking tour or not, but it's where I would like you to start. There is a 45-minute audio program in the walking tour for parents in the Identify Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems section that I would love for you to listen to because it's going to teach you how to write unsolved problems. You need a list, then you need to prioritize. Which unsolved problems am I going to work on first? Can't work on them all. Often when we are focused on a kid's behavior, we're focused on all of the unsolved problems that could be causing those behaviors, and that's not going to work. It's too much. We need to pick two or three, um, and we need to start actually doing Plan B proactively, and on unsolved problems, not behaviors. So that addresses your first issue. It doesn't sound like he's beyond telling you what his concerns are, but it does sound, just given what you've written, there are times when he does give you information, but to get information and really be in problem-solving mode, ideally proactive and ideally talking about problems, not behaviors. All right. You'll never know whether he is able to control his reactions. You'll never know until you start solving problems collaboratively and proactively. Um, yes, something unpleasant happens and he laughs at it and insists it's funny. Yes, he's swearing. But all of these things are happening in the heat of the moment. I think you'll have a better sense of what he feels he control can control and what concerns are getting in his way once you start doing Plan B proactively? 
So yes, maybe there are people out there who get a charge out of making other people squirm. I doubt, I don't know him obviously, so I'm winging it here, I doubt that that's what you're going to find out about your son. But right now you're trying to read the tea leaves on your son, mostly because you're focused on behavior and mostly because a lot of your intervention is occurring in the heat of the moment. We need unsolved problems so we can start solving them proactively. And then, Susie, I'm saving that last part for you. Um, I'm going to read it again. I'm so sick of being emotionally, verbally, and physically abused. I know no amount of punishment will do any good, but no amount of hugs, cuddles, playtime does either. And I can't get any kind of handle on how to make a plan with him either because I can't get him to communicate. He truly seems not to care if anyone else's concerns are met. My bet is that you can relate to being sick of how you're being treated. Maybe you can talk about that part a little bit. Um, I can. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple of things before I delve into that. Go for it. To, you know, make an appointment with the child proactively and even 15 minutes a day, working on an unsolved problem helps tremendously to eventually reduce or even eliminate the maladaptive behavior. Um, Getting the right lenses on that it's a developmental delay, lagging skills and demands for those skills, that leads people to be more compassionate. And now we can, you know, what we've been doing isn't working, but how can we set things up to start helping the child? Um, so focus, like you said, focusing on unsolved problems and not behaviors. Um, it takes a while for the child to participate in Plan B, um, and try not to get discouraged about that. Get um, creative with ways to reach your child. As I always say, the beauty of the model is that there's it gives you hope. Um, and it's not the child's idea of having a good time. Um, it's a family problem, not just the child. Um, you asked me about being sick of being abused. Um, yes, we had a similar situation. Um, and just exactly what was the question? I'm so sorry. Um, just uh, how you got out of that. Yeah. Well, we found somebody who understood and whose approach made sense to us and also recognizing that what we were doing, like I said before, wasn't working. It was broken and we needed to do something different. We needed to Um, toss conventional wisdom and rethink things and um, start helping our son. Um, It it was a very difficult situation with, in our case, he was exploding seven, eight times a day um, and very... uh, very difficult to uh, get along with. You don't like the child and you don't like what they're doing to your family. 
I hope we've helped mom a little bit. I think that um, making things proactive and focusing on problems and not behaviors could go a very long way. But mom, you are always welcome to call into the program if that doesn't get you far enough. Um, We do have a caller, Susie, but let me give the call-in number again, 347-994-2981. And, and our one. caller is front of and press one. My, our caller is from one of my favorite parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, area code seven zero three. You are on the air. How are you today? Good. I'm fine. Good. What's up? Or are you just listening? Um, oh no, you're not I, just listening. I, I, I listen a lot, but um, okay. I have a sixteen year old son. Okay. He's Don't use any names. Okay. okay. Keep going. Um. He's in 10th grade, and he has language-receptive expressive disorder, and so he's in English class. And he just flat out is just acting stubborn and just won't do the work. And they're just kind of leaving him alone about it. I'm like, what are we going to do? All right, so a few questions. Are you ready? Yes. He has... Some language processing delays, yes? Yes. And he is struggling in English class? Yes. All right. Um, I. Um, what makes you say he's stubborn? Oh, they're telling me he's stubborn, that he's just not doing the work. They'll say, you need to get this and this out, and he'll just flat out refuse. No, I'm not doing it. it. Sounds and like we have an unsolved don't. problem, Yes. Yes. Now, who's calling him stubborn, you or them? Um, they are. All right, good. So you're not you're not buying into the stubborn thing, right? I'm not buying into the stubborn thing. I think it's a lagging skills thing. Well, is he is he is he refusing to do work in any other class? No. Interesting, boy. Uh, so he's only stubborn, I'm putting that in quotes, in this one mm-hmm. class. Yes. Boy, if that wasn't the sure sign of an unsolved problem, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the big question is, who do we need to have do plan B with him on this unsolved problem? And if we were to write it, it would be difficulty um, completing work in English class. Yes. Right, yes. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Have you, is this a conversation you've tried to have with him? Uh, yes, he kind of stonewalls me. He just doesn't want to do it. He's not talking to me about it. He'll turn his back to me and things like that. All right. Hmm. What do you make of that? Uh, that's, that's At the very least, that's a reluctant talker. Uh, is there any reason that he'd be turning his back on you besides the fact that he's reluctant to talk about it? Oh, because he doesn't want me to tell him to do it, and he doesn't want to hear about it. He's always been like this, like, head in the sand, like an ostrich. Well, but he's doing a lot of work in the other classes, right? Yes. All right, so we got a problem in this one class. We don't know what it is. Have you been telling him to just do it a fair amount? Um, I do. He can start, and then all of a sudden he just won't do it anymore. All right. So not knowing anything else about him, and this is, of course, Mm -hmm. the limitations of this program, is we haven't done a comprehensive assessment here, but just based on what we're hearing, 
there's something going on that's making it hard for him to do the work in English class. It's not because he's stubborn. He's doing work in other classes, which makes us, quite frankly, that makes this a bit easier because it tells us it is specific to this one class. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try to do plan B, if you're going to try to do plan B with him, you may have to start off by saying because he may not be recognizing that you're approaching this through a different avenue this time. Um he may think this is bugging mode when actually plan B starts with the empathy step which is information gathering. So you may have to start your plan B with him by saying uh I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm not mm-hmm. mad at you. You're not in trouble. I just really want to understand. So I am not going to get on your case about this. I just really want to understand what's going on. So I'm hoping that you'll recognize that I'm not doing what I've done before. Um, tell me what's going on in English class that's making it hard for you to get work done. Hopefully he won't stonewall you. Um, do you think that there's – now, you told me that the folks at school are the ones calling him stubborn and they're just leaving him alone, right? Yes. So we've got this interesting, you know, we've got this interesting but not unusual divide between bugging him and just letting it go, right? Yes. Some, people might, might people, some people might call letting it go giving in. But, um, you know, that's what many parents think are their only two options. That's what many educators think are their only two options. Get on the kid's case yes. or leave him alone, right? But here's the deal. Plan B is the third option. And – it's okay. going to work a lot better than leaving him alone. And what he seems to be telling us is that uh, bugging him is not getting the job done, certainly not giving us the information we need to understand what's getting in his way in English class. I guess my big question is, given that they're the ones saying he's stubborn, although it sounds like you have been one of those who've been getting on his case, they're leaving him alone, mm-hmm. you're getting on his case, neither of those is plan B. Who's the best person to do plan B with him? Is this something that should take place at school? Or do you think the odds are better if you get the process rolling with him at home and then let the school know what you've learned in the empathy step of Plan B? What are your thoughts there? Mm-hmm. Probably me. I think he would be more willing to speak to than Got any it. of the teachers. What you need worst of all is information. You have a very mm-hmm. specific unsolved problem. Some characterizations are being made of your son that I always find to be inaccurate. And um, we need info. Bugging him isn't going to get us the info. Liebman yep. alone is not going to give us the info. If you're the person who he's most likely to share the information with, if you reassure him that you are not approaching things in the way you were, you may get something that helps you navigate the waters of school for him a little bit. And I think that's what you're looking for. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's hard for him. I think stuff like essays and things like that just come at him, and he's like, I just can't do it, so I'm not going to do it. Yep. I'm not confident to do this. I'm, I'm trying to instill you know, confidence in him. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I know that the phrase is instilling confidence, but he'll be confident when he's confident. And mm-hmm. He's not going to be confident about doing that stuff until he's confident that he can do that stuff. And what he seems to be telling us, and by the way, this is what what behavior almost always tells us, is I can't solve that problem on my own. 
my approach to right. solving that problem is to sit there and do nothing. And if they're leaving me alone, I'm not going to say that my solution is working. This is, my, this is your son talking here. It's not working mm-hmm. because he's still not solving the problem, but at least it's not ugly, right? Well, yes. mm, apparently that's not a satisfactory outcome because he's just sitting there doing no work. So, but exactly. what, what he's telling us is I'm not confident yet. That's why I'm sitting here doing nothing. He's, he's going to need help. Right. And he's the folks who are going to need to help him, him are probably the folks at school. What's that? Yeah, I can't have him fail a class because he's just decided I'm done. Failing's not an option. He's decided he's done because it's the solution that makes the most sense to him at the moment, given mm-hmm. that he does not feel that help is on the way. And right. truth is, it sounds like help is, has not been on the way. So he's doing what a lot of human beings would do. If they need help and help is not on the, coming on the way, he's sitting there. But we can't start helping him until we we know what he needs help with. Then we can start helping him. Mm -hmm. All that makes sense? Yes, I have the the information. Yep, you you got an unsolved problem. You need info. You need it from the horse's mouth. That's him. Then maybe you can help him navigate things with the school. I bet Susie has some things to pitch in on here, too. Um, Or maybe not. I do. Uh, Just to uh have a make an appointment with your son in a calm time um to talk about this unsolved problem um and the other thing was oh you might want to divide english class into its component parts um it sounds like he starts the work, but then he isn't able to complete it. So if you can break it down for him, you know, he he might never have thought of this before. It, it's going to take a little time. Plan B is a process. Um, but, um, and sometimes kids need permission not to talk. Um, and you don't want to... Um, push that too much so that you sacrifice another time for them to talk. Does that? Do you know what I mean? Um, sometimes yeah, it's I have okay to pick the right time to pick the right time, but sometimes, you know, if it's not a good time for them, it's okay to let that go and just make another appointment. That, um, like Dr. Green said. You know, he's not in trouble. You're not mad at him. You're just trying to understand. And um, you're making things better. Okay. Please call us back and let us know how that conversation goes. You've got us interested and curious. And, by the way, I'll tell you what you're not going to hear from him unless he's just regurgitating what adults have already told him. He's not Mm going to tell you he's stubborn. That's true. He won't say that. Nope. Uh, You're looking for something besides what they're telling him. Um, Call us back next week and let us know how it goes. Well, we don't have a program next week. We don't have a program next week. Call us in two weeks and let us know how it goes. Yes, please. Okay. I would do that. Thank you. Take care. Good luck with it. Thank you. You bet. Oh, that word stubborn. Um, I know. 
too e- easily said, but um, takes us down a path we don't want to go down. Ready for another email? We do not have another caller at the moment. Let me give the phone number one more time. We've got about uh, 17 more minutes left. 347-994-2981. And can I say press the number one this time? Absolutely. Take it away. Press the number one. Here's another email. I am the mother of a four-year-old boy who has several lagging skills, the foremost of which is difficulty managing his response to frustration. I've read The Explosive Child, and I'm in the early days of applying Plan B to a few of my son's unsolved problems. But there is one issue that pervades life with my son that I'm not sure how to name as an unsolved problem, nor can I figure out what lagging skill it springs from. My son is highly verbal and many days is verbally oppositional, often about things that don't even really affect him. A typical exchange might go like this. Um, Son, why do you exercise sometimes? Mother, to build muscle and to make me stronger and healthier. Son, I'm going to cut your muscles out. Or, mother, um, talking to the boy's brother, you don't need that pacifier. Son, work as hard as you can to get that pacifier. Or, the most bizarre recent example, which occurred after a handyman put a line of sandbags on the inside of our garage to prevent rainwater from getting in. Son, what was that man doing? Mother, putting sandbags in our garage to keep rain from getting in. Son, I'm going to cut up those sandbags and throw them in the garbage. Seriously, the list goes on. I feel like if I said the sky is blue, he would say no, it's not, just for sport. Mostly, I try to ignore his statements, but if I don't respond, he repeats them over and over and gets increasingly agitated by my lack of response. Engaging this statement is equally unsuccessful because he isn't thinking rationally, and we end up in a loop where he says something irrational and mean, and I try to explain to him why it is irrational and mean. What on earth is going on? Mom, I do not know. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what's going on. In the In a very basic way, you are... You have a kid who is saying things that don't quite make sense to you. And I must say, they don't make sense to me either. Um, I can't tell, this is all theorizing, if he's joking, if the words that are coming out of his mouth are not exactly what he means. I don't know if um, what he's saying is irrational. What he's saying does not make sense to us yet. The problem is, I don't have a great feeling. My usual advice would be, let's um, engage him further to find out what he means. And that would be the main goal of engaging him further. The problem is, I don't know what you're saying to engage him further. Um, My simple guidance would be, I'm sorry, I'm not exactly sure what you mean which is a drilling strategy. Um, That should help you clarify, joking, trying to say something, but not having it come out the way he intended. 
not having the words. After all, he's four years old. But I don't know that we can give you an answer to what on earth is going on. Haven't met him. Don't know him. Um, If you wanted to get this evaluated further, given that we don't know, um, but that four-year-olds sometimes say some pretty goofy stuff, it's just that your four-year-old is saying some stuff that doesn't make sense to us. It sounds like with a greater frequency than the average four-year-old, you may want to seek out the assistance of someone who can evaluate this further. And I guess I have a bit of a dilemma about who to tell you to see. You could see a pediatric neuropsychologist who would do a very comprehensive evaluation. Um, You could see a speech and language therapist um, who could do a language evaluation and try to get a better feel. Guess it depends a little bit on how global your concerns about your son is or if the vast majority of your concerns are specific to the words that are coming out of his mouth. And A, does he understand what's coming in in terms of language? And B, um, what on earth is going on with what's coming out of his mouth? Guess the other thing I would ask if you were on the phone with us is um, – Are there specific circumstances that we could identify in which uh, he is saying these things that trouble you? And are there other times that we can make heads or tails out of where he's speaking in a way that doesn't concern you at all? I do not know what on earth is going on, but... Um, I'm imagining that there are people in your area who can probably help you figure it out. Um, Those are my thoughts. Susie, anything to add here? Um, I just wanted to add that I would recommend your book, um, The Adventures of Stretch More, Pick Your Path Stories for Solving Problems Together. it's yours and Dr. Epstein's book, um, that it would be some great examples of um, unsolved problems, and um, it would be a great read for the mom, Um, and even something you know, she could modify it a bit for her four-year-old son, something that they could look at together. There you go. Mom, I wish we could have uh, helped you further, but not knowing him, we can't on this call. Uh, That's as far as we can probably take you. Some things just require face-to-face. That one does. Let's move on to another email. I am the mom of two daughters. My older one is four and a half, and she is short-tempered and explosive. My younger one is sweet, empathic, and easygoing, so I worry about her a little bit less. My older daughter is a highly intelligent person, and she knows what she wants since very early age, like 10 months or less. However, she wants to do things that are dangerous and unpleasant to others sometimes. 
When I ask her why she does it, she says that it's too much fun. For example, she tickles her younger sister, but sometimes is rough and the little sister doesn't like it and starts to cry. My older one would still like to continue doing it. After intervening by gently separating them, I try to talk about empathy, how if little sister is crying, it means that she doesn't like what is being done to her. I see that my older one is capable of empathy, but she is clearly less empathic than my younger one. This is my main focus now, trying to develop empathy in her by telling her what other people might be feeling, pain, sadness, and so on. We do talk about emotions and what she might be feeling or what I might be feeling. I hope that sets her up for a better, mental illness-free future. I let my older daughter make many decisions for herself since that was setting her up for tantrums before, like what clothes to wear, what she wants for breakfast, what shampoo or toothpaste she wants. I give her an abundance of choices, and if what she wants is not available, I tell her that she can have it in the future if it's a healthy choice. This has helped a lot. Also, if she wants to wear clothes that are too warm or too light for the weather, I give her other options to wear or take to de- with her to daycare. She's okay with that, even if she, so even if she changes her mind and takes my suggestions. My husband thinks I'm too soft, but I don't see why I would go into a conflict with my child if my child's solutions are acceptable for me. My husband thinks that our child should listen to parents and respect them. I think this is an outdated concept and that a raised voice is not teaching our child how to deal with stress or how to make any decisions. My husband is very reasonable, but sometimes he wants things... I'll I'll change the emphasis on that. Uh, Sometimes he wants things his own way, and he doesn't want me to intervene. Like the other night, he wanted my older daughter to clean her toys. When I came to the room, I saw my daughter crying. When I asked what happened, my my husband said that I should intervene. After going back and forth in the end, I helped my daughter clean up, and that calmed her down. My husband is still upset with me. On the other hand, I don't see why we should just dictate to our kids and expect them to do things. If I see that my child doesn't want to do something, I either ask her to do it later if she's in a bad mood or ask her if she wants my help to make the whole situation funny and then she complies. My husband thinks that our child is using manipulation and that we are not teaching her grit that is so important in life. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Well, quite a bit to uh, talk about there as well. Do you want to give that the first stab or you want me to? Um, sure, I'll I'll try. Um, well, good for her for um, doing what she's doing, and it seems like she has the right lenses on. Um, my one comment is that it seems as if uh, the conversations are taking place in the heat of the moment rather than uh making an appointment with the child and um having it proactively um, the when you're using plan b um it indirectly teaches lagging skills while solving problems proactively and collaboratively um, we as our listeners have heard before. Uh, We're in a situation where my husband and I had uh, different parenting styles, and um, that in and of itself is 
is stressful when you're not on the same page. Um, and my advice would be to have a discussion or discussions proactively with her husband and um, try to help him see the um, steps of Plan B and how what they're doing is not working and they need to use a different approach with this four-and-a-half-year-old who um, is explosive, her words. Um, Those were things that came to my mind. Got it. And, you know, the thing is, um, it sounds like um, this mom and her husband are not on the same page about um, how to have expectations and how to pursue them and what to do if they are unmet. Since I don't typically use the word manipulative, it's unlikely that I would see manipulation in what the daughter is doing. As she's describing her, this sounds like a pretty intense kid who it sounds like was pretty intense at a pretty early age and um, is pretty clear about what she wants. Um, a An approach in which you were trying to teach this kid who's the boss and an approach in which um, uh, kids should listen to parents. And what listen is often code for is I'll say jump, you say how high, do what I say the minute I tell you how to do it. With a lot of intense kids, that's a recipe for a lot of conflict, a lot of conflict. And so um, I'm not sure that I I, I wouldn't characterize mom's approach as too soft, but I would say that mom and dad, it would be great if they were on the same page. Otherwise, this is going to keep coming up. Uh, Dad would be comforted to know that there are ways to pursue expectations with kids that are not in the I'll say jump and you say how high realm. Mom, you're doing a fair amount of navigating around the intensity. And while that is reducing tantrums, and while, Mom, you may feel like that is um, accomplishing the mission, your husband does not feel that it's accomplishing the mission. And whether you're going to be able to navigate your way around your daughter's intensity forever, I have my doubts. But that's where plan B comes in. Um, the big question is whether, and by the way, it sounds like you're trying to teach empathy in a very direct fashion. But there's another way to teach empathy and have you and your husband feel like you're having influence and have your daughter taking your concerns into account and working towards solutions that are mutually satisfactory. And that's plan B. So I think your husband is going to take comfort in plan B because he will see that there is another way to help kids meet expectations and for adults to have influence besides I say jump, you say how high, 
And I think Plan B is going to help you uh, have influence with your daughter without solely navigating your way around her intensity. It's going to be a little bit more direct. So the truth is Plan B may may be something that is a very nice place where you and your husband can have a meeting of the minds. You know, the big question is whether the way you're trying to teach empathy is going to make is going to get the job done. Uh, I don't think there's any harm done. There there could be harm in that your daughter could at some point get tired of all of these empathy lessons. The good news is that there's a great way to teach empathy in an indirect fashion, and that's plan B. So, with many parents who are going at this in very different ways, um Plan B has turned out to be a very um, viable meeting ground uh, for accomplishing what both parents were looking to accomplish. You're looking to accomplish, you're looking to reduce tantrums with a high intensity kid. Your husband's looking to have influence. I think you're looking to have influence as well. That's why you want your daughter to be more empathic. Plan B is the way to go. And in your email, I'm not actually hearing much about Plan B. So that might be the next thing to try to take on. And Susie, that is going to do us do it for us today. We are out of time. Once again, no program next week. It's Martin Luther King Day here in the United States. But Susie, will you do this again in two weeks? Absolutely. Talk to you then. Okay, take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.